Hello, indie creatives of the world. Chris here. And on this week's episode of the Make It podcast, we have quite a treat. Today, we have a conversation with Ashley Pereira. Ashley is an actress, a survivor, a mother, and a badass rock star. Ashley's latest role is in the psychological thriller All Light Will End. She plays Savannah, a best selling author with a famous mother and a troubled past. Savannah attempts to navigate her life as a writer while protecting her darkest secrets from the world. You can also see Ashley in the 2016 film Masterpiece and the 2018 film Run with the Devil. So, Without further ado, I give you the living personification of YOLO, actress Ashley Pereira. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Hey, uh, I'm Ashley Pereira. I'm an actress from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, you might know me from uh, the feature film All Light Will End, and currently I am working on myself and preparing for for the next project, uh, acting wise, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, all sorts of things. So I'm kind of kind of behind the scenes right now, um, working on myself for the next thing. So that works. I, I totally get that, and I we could. We could start there and, and just again, thank you so much, Ashley, for spending the time with us. And, and I think there's so much our audience can learn uh, a little bit about what you just spoke about. Like you get done with the role and you're probably on cloud nine, but then you realize you have to get back to work. So what has that process been like for you? Um, looking back, you know, when I sat there at the premiere, it's really, it's kind of really, really hard to watch yourself on camera because I'm highly critical of myself. And so sitting there during the premiere, you know, you, you notice things that you want to work on, um, as far as, uh, you know, character development or performance wise, of course. Um, but also, uh, also keeping in mind, um, you know, uh, the, how, how you become the character, how well you did at that, or what you could have done to, to step into that role even further. And as an actress and actors, um, typically, you know, we, we see actors kind of repeat similar roles, you know what I mean? It's, um, kind of in the term of being typecasted Mm -hmm. and history does that a lot to a lot of people. And so, my goal is to slowly, as I get further into the industry, to make sure that I'm kind of in the realm of where I want to be and not where I don't want to be. So um, constantly having a vision for myself as certain characters or what kind of roles I want to pursue in the future 
and slowly working towards heading that direction. Um, character wise, personality wise, the way, the way I carry myself physically, um, the style wise, you know, cause all of these things come into play. You know, a lot of us think that we go on set or we go into wardrobe, which it, it wardrobe and makeup and they make us, you know, into these characters. But honestly, it's really both. It's everybody's job to do that. You, it's your job mainly to step into that role and to go, you hear of all of these actors and actresses going like, you know, going to the gym or going on crazy diets or shaving their head or, you know, getting a crazy tan or, you know, all of these things. And it's like, you are slowly working, working and working to become, you know, that character that you're working so hard to, or, and putting yourself in that position to audition as well, because when casting directors sit there and they're looking at you, most of the time they already want you to be where you're supposed to be for that role. So a lot of it's in preparation. Okay. Like what kind of roles am I going for? What kind of acting legacy do I want to leave behind? And what, what does that look like for me? Because a lot of it is like taking control instead of just, you know, slowly becoming what the industry is going to put you in, if that makes sense. It really does. And I want to go back a little bit uh, to, to obviously that's a big challenge for you watching yourself on the screen and someone being, you know, maybe a little self-conscious about seeing themselves. Is it more a physical thing? like how you look physically or is it more of a, how you sound your voice sounds or, or, or how you're acting in a, in a particular scene or is it all of it? Oh my God. It's all of it. Yeah. I mean, I have this thing. It's so funny. For example, uh, working with, uh, uh, with like on these projects, I would sit there and watch the, uh, the runs, you know, cause I, I kind of sneak back after doing a take and be like, all right, all right, I can't see it. And he's like, no, you're not allowed to see it. I'm like, please let me see it. And so I finally go back and I noticed that in a lot of scenes, I did like this weird nostril flare all the time. <laughs> I get, like, super anxious or super upset. And I had no idea that I did that. So a lot of, uh, a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, on screen, you don't realize it until you start doing it, that people do weird things when when people say action and they have no idea. So it's those things. It's like, all right, I got to focus. No, not players. Okay. <laughs> Go. Yeah, yeah, it's really true. So like if a picture is worth a thousand words, then video is worth 10,000 words. Uh, it, 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 it allows you to be self-aware in a way that no other medium can uh, allow for it. And, and even in this thing that we do here, this podcast, it's audio form, listening back, I have given myself little cues that are like right in front of me right now to not say certain words because I realize they're crutch words. They're words I say when I'm nervous or I want to sound um, precise or, or need a retort. I'll just lean on certain words. And over the span of 10 episodes, it can really wear the listener out. And so I'm, I'm 
cognizant of that. Whereas if, if you do a, a nostril flare one time um, you, and, and it's in a picture, okay, you might say, okay, yeah, I, I flared my nostrils there. But over the span of a movie, you're like, oh no, I've got to stop doing that right now. <laughs> like that's, that's not who I am. And, and the funny thing is, Ash, is like this idea of how many years have you put that out there in social situations and not realized it? Absolutely. And it blows your mind. You become self-conscious. You got to be kind to yourself in those moments because it can be really harsh. And, you know, video is harsh. It, it, it really projects something way over the top of what you do, you know, really concentrate. I do not see in high definition, crazy quality, you know, that these TVs got, I don't see that normally, you know, in real life. And so all of these things that I would notice on people, I notice a lot more on television screen. And I'm sure they feel that way about themselves too. And that's a physical aspect too, you know, and that's a very dangerous place to really get in because then you get to all these crazy fad diets and working out like a crazy person. But you know what? Sometimes when it's when it's in preparation for a role and you have to push your body and push your limits to become that character to give the story and the and the it, it, to deliver something the way it should be delivered, you know, and that's that's hard as well. If keeping a healthy mindset while you're trying to uh, to accomplish those things. Yeah, I want to I um, want to touch on that actually. So so this is a challenge for you. What was that process like to overcome that challenge? Like, how did you overcome that that self-criticism to just be sort of happy with, with what you're seeing on screen? Um, it's, not, it's not necessarily being happy or being upset. It's look at it as a job and rather than something super personal, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like... But when you are looking at yourself on screen and you see something that doesn't fit the character, then you can evaluate what does fit the character. So you're not taking it necessarily personally. You're attributing it to the character and not yourself. So if you're trying to go for certain roles in the future and trying to, like, for example, if I wanted to be a superhero or a supervillain, you know, I can't necessarily, uh, I, I would probably want to work out more. I would probably want to push my body more to the sense of where I look like I actually jump on top of buildings and, <laughs> and save people for a living. Mm-hmm. So in those things, you can't do it too much because you can drive yourself crazy but that's what the casting directors are going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for people who actually look like, you know, they're superheroes, not right. just your average Joe at wherever, you know? So that's a, that's a kind of thing, but you can't, you can't push yourself to the point of being, you got to find who you are, you know, sit yourself down and look at yourself where you're at now and understand your limitations and then find characters within your limitations um, mentally and physically because it could be really unhealthy to put yourself in outside of those ranges. Does that make sense? 
It does. And it's such powerful and meaningful advice for young creatives, uh, young actors, actresses that are entering into that initial role or, or having to play someone that isn't just a, a deviation of themselves, but but a, but a character where they have to be someone different. Uh, that's that's going to be super helpful. I will say one thing about you, because I, I do have a, a question. I know you, you're working on becoming, ensuring you're not being typecast, ensuring that you want to be the character you wanted to be and, and have a vision for yourself to be. And our our crack research team here on the Make It Podcast, our, our crack research team of one, uh, we have we have looked at you know, thousands of pictures. It feels like of you <laughs> uh, from 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 all ages, and you always stood out. You uh, when even you know we're talking fifth grade pictures, seventh grade pictures, whatever it might be. If you're in a group full of friends. Uh, it was very, very easy to see that you were on a different path. Um, so uh, w- knowing that about yourself, um, it, is your vision for the kind of roles you want to play aligned with your look, um, your attitude, or is it, or is it something else? What, what, what kind of roles are you looking to get in the future? Well, you know, it's tough because I'm, I'm constantly pushing myself to be the best version. But when it comes to getting roles or pushing myself for certain roles, I can always go out there and put myself out there to casting directors for these type of roles, whether it's, you know, a gladiator princess, that would be totally sick. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So if I'm pushing myself in that direction, um, for example, or I'm pushing, uh, I have to be able to be a variety of things mm-hmm. where I'm now and kind of like choosing and figuring out, oh man, you would, you would play a really good this, or you would play a really good this. And it's like, okay. It, and you have to incorporate how you look, you know, you can't just, I, I would not play, you know, a very good, you know, what's the word? I would not play a good role that's meant for something totally opposite of what I looked like. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. It's kind of hard to explain. So, well, well, give some, give our listeners some context. You, you're, um, you have wonderful eyes, right. And then you have dark hair and you, and you have some tattoos, right? Yeah. So I got my tattoos along the line of, and it was totally separate outside of my acting career um it was kind of a you only live once kind of thing i was actually diagnosed with lupus when Mm -hmm. i was 20 20 years old Mm -hmm. and i went through an entire year of extreme brain inflammation which um uh, just to be honest with you i i thought that my um (laughs) my my years were numbered for sure and i've come out of that completely and I'm so grateful and thankful for that. But once you go through something like that, you kind of, you gotta, you gotta live for yourself a little bit too. You know, everything can't be all work. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You gotta go out, go travel. I, I decided, I was like, I'm going to get my tattoos if I want them. I've always wanted them. I love them. 
I love the way that they look on me and they mean something very, very special to me. So if this is going to hinder my acting career, you know, so be it. And it kind of puts me in a smaller box for roles, but they'll be a lot more special, you know, and I look at some of my role models, you know, Ruby Rose, she's covered, she's gorgeous, and she kills zombies in movies, and, you know, she's in the Orange is the New Black, and she is just a complete badass, so I don't think that it will if you market yourself in a certain way to make casting directors really want you, Um, so it will, it will kind of put you in a thing, but also, I've learned how to professionally cover them up with makeup. <laughs> so so there's, there's been plenty of moments where people could not tell for my auditions at all, you know. So I provided that service independently. But, you know, honestly, it's like a long sleeve T-shirt kind of thing or just incorporating it in a look. I played some characters where I was a hipster, you know, and tattoos were required or tattoo they wanted someone tattoos they i played um roles of just uh, it was a comedy uh, i guess it was more of an audition than something i actually landed but they were looking for girls um kind of the adriana lima look with tats and ruby rose all that and they were going to be a comedic gang leader so it was things like that and then there you got this other role that's a bookworm but they wanted her to be urban and have tattoos and things like that so sometimes it really helps you get roles um sometimes it really hurts you so yeah (laughs) i i I, I personally think your tattoos differentiate you in the best possible way and it really made your and i can see where the work you put in on character paid off in all light will end i think you did a great turn in that film and and everything about your look matched what we expected from the character. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of, um, part of how it was written, um, Blake, uh, Blake was actually writing it for, for myself. You know, he was writing it in vision of me playing this role. So that was, that was really cool. Um, we originally started with a totally different concept and I don't believe that my character in the film that we were originally started to film had tattoos or we mm-hmm. kind of cover that up. So she was, she was more of a, you know, a, a nice, nice young farm girl. Not saying that <laughs> have tattoos, but she did not, she did not, but I'm so thankful that he, he kind of let me, Show that because you do not see women or actors and actresses at all really be able to show their original work off in films. And that's, that's really, it, it kind of, it kind of, it's, it's super curious to me, like, or I'm curious about it because I know that a lot of TV and film when it comes to industries like the wrestling industry, you know, um, they're, they can show their tattoos. They're totally fine with that. They're playing characters. Mm-hmm. But in TV and film, even if your character is required, sometimes it'll change it up. Sometimes it's not, right? Anyways, I'm rambling. <laughs> no, it's good. And and I think you're spot on um, uh, with, with your assessment. I, I've thought about this too. And I think a lot of it is um, so many moviegoers 
um, might be the men that I think we still as a, as a culture um, and especially in, in certain parts of the country, when they see a female uh, lead that isn't playing a specific type of role where, where she's edgy or anything like that, the farm girl type you you described, I think a part of it is control. I think the viewer wants to imagine they could control the person that they're that they're watching and enjoying if it's a female and and if they feel like they can't because she's a wild stallion, then that gets that makes them less appealing. And I think maybe that's the fear that producers have and and executive producers have. And I think it's unfounded. I think it's I think we're changing as a culture, but I think part of it is all human. I think so much of film and so much of 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 media is about human psychology and about how people will react to certain inputs. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you you nailed it right right on right on that. I mean, tattoos are becoming more and more part of our culture, and as we're seeing more TV shows and films with people who are completely clean slated as far as ink or piercings or other things, it you know, it's kind of tough to believe. And it's, you know, it becomes less real. And when you start incorporating things like my character, when she has tattoos and she becomes a very real thing. And then later on the story, because it seems more real, it becomes more scary. Yeah. The reality of what happens, you know? I agree. And I'm curious about a little bit about how your upbringing uh, affects your performances on screen. Um, would it be fair to say that, that you're a, a daddy's girl? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I've always, I've always kind of wanted to be like my dad. Um, uh. Yeah. He was in the military. Um, I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps as a pilot um, I actually went to started getting my pilot's license when I was uh, 16 years old and was not uh, unfortunately accepted because of my health conditions. Mm-hmm. So acting so be, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, dad's a guitar player. I'm a guitar player. We're both really creative, but yeah, I, I guess I would say I'm a daddy's girl. Yeah, you kind of followed in his footsteps. You, you, um, I assume you got some of your stage presence from being a rock singer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me about your your past as a as Courtney Love. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my first love has been the, the voice, and I love I love singing. I love singing and. Um, the, the rock thing came from just a really good connection with a group of people, a group of musicians, and it was so much like family and the, the energy that's on stage when you're playing that type of music is indescribable. It is so, it's almost spiritual. It's almost an outer body experience when you're on stage and you're singing and those amps are in your face and everybody's just together. 
everybody's vibing together. Everybody's just on a different level. So that has been definitely my love in um, music. But unfortunately, you know, the band broke up and, you know, I did my solo thing. So um, (laughs) (laughs) like kind of like the the same story for a lot of people, right? But um, yes, I, I experienced that a lot um i'm still doing music but it's more on a low-key side and definitely more focusing on myself and my acting um my my development as an actress Mm -hmm. so that when this movie comes out and pilot season starts rolling around i can can hit them with my best shot so that's my focus yeah i love that and you know i started in music as well and it does sound cliche i mean our our group broke up for all the same reasons that every group breaks up. Um, essentially, <laughs> drugs, alcohol, women, and ego. Uh, yeah. Some some combination of those four things uh, broke up my group, and it's it's so cliche. I I don't even like to to talk about it, but it's um, but I do know what you mean about being on stage when everything's clicking. Uh, it's like it's like God is in the room with you. Um, people hit their harmonies perfect. People. Um, are on perfect time. And there's something about being in perfect time, even when the timing's unperfect, because, that, that, that really creates a, a want of a kind feeling uh, on, on stage. Uh, yeah, for, for sure. I, I think that's so cool um, that you have this, this background that allows you to not have that fear of cameras, not have that fear of performance on set. Uh, what would you give uh, any new actresses advice? I mean, what advice would you give them to uh, if they're entering into their first lead role? Oh, that's a good one. Um, in the first lead role, the lead role has a lot of responsibility. Make sure you're getting enough sleep for sure. Um, this is, this is your shot. You have to be happy with what you're doing. Make sure you're prepared and you get it right the first time. And if you don't get it right the first time, you keep going until you feel like you get it right. You know, it's not necessarily you're worrying. You, you got to worry about time, but you got to also make sure that you're giving the best quality because I would stop, I would stop Blake or any of the, any of the crew, in a sense, if I felt like I did not give my best performance or something was off or something was weird, I would let them know and be like, how was that for you? It was good. Okay. I felt like that was completely off and I didn't feel very natural with it. Can we please do that again? You know, and that was the thing, but it was ultimately up to them. I just wanted to make sure I get the best that I could and being prepared as much as possible. So when someone's going into the lead role, just know, be the character, know who you are and be extremely prepared. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What, what research did you do personally in all light way in to prepare for that character? And, and just for the listeners out there, you know, her character is someone who falls in and out of fugue states um, and, and isn't sure sometimes what was real and what was a dream. 
So with that context, uh, go ahead, Ashley. Um, so the preparation for, for that was really personal for me. I had a very, very close family member go through um, what we thought was uh, schizophrenia and experiencing very, very similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got real personal for me because I, I drew from them. And I drew from their energy. Um, that 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 was that was my prep. Um, I I had to enter in certain stages and certain in certain scenes where I guess I would say I was method, but I had to put my mind in some places that were pretty dangerous at some point to get the right reaction. And to get the right performance, and that that was a very interesting way, and it was almost therapeutic to go into some of those places for those scenes, because coming out you feel such a relief, like oh, you, oh I didn't know I had that in me. <laughs> I'm glad that was released, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was recorded. So it's interesting. Um, it will definitely be interesting for uh, my family too. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, see <laughs> me. And yeah, exactly. And I, I loved one of my favorite things about your performance in the film is the stillness that you have, and and I don't know if it was intentional. I'm sure it was, but that stillness is what gives your character the credibility that makes the audience believe that you could have written that book. Absolutely. If you were, if you were, if you sort of had a, 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 a dingier attitude, like uh, I, I think um, some of the other female uh, um, co-stars had, and, and it played it a little bit more loose or a little bit more about their their significant other, then we we not we might not be sure that you had the fortitude and, and intellect to to write a best selling book, right? So. So that seriousness about your character really played on a lot of different levels and, and sort of worked as a force multiplier uh, of belief and suspension of belief that that is. So really, really impressed with that. Kudos. Do you think how much strength and, and that strength I just described, how much of that do you think you got from being a mother and and how is it? Um, what are some of the challenges or advantages of, of trying to manage an acting career while, while being a mom? Well, thank God, because my daughter's a little bit older now, it would have been a lot harder if I was doing this film when she was say two or three, she's 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was actually spending the summer with grandma during that time. So I didn't really have to balance anything at the time, but (laughs) it's like, woo. Okay. But, um, yeah, she's, she's a lot older now. And so I actually use her to help me read lines. I'm like, Mm. can you, can you play this in understanding where she's coming from? She says, you know, Oh, what if, what if it was done like this? And it's so interesting getting the perspective of a child on lines or some of their lines and really like, where do you think this character is coming from and she says well i think this and you know it totally blows your mind oh 
wow, okay. Um, and as far as like the serious seriousness of Savannah, I just wanted to touch on that for a minute. You can't you can't be the the woo girl and convince people that you have been through such a traumatic past. Does that make sense? Yes. Be this. She's constantly fighting what is real and what is not real. She's constantly in the beginning of the film. You see her um, taking medicine, medication. You know, she's on medication. She's she's kind of you know, and a lot of friends of mine that have been through similar things or these family members, and they're on these type of medications, kind of leave them in a a, a mid state. You know, they're not happy and they're not sad. They're just there. Does that make sense? So, it does. So that uh, I did a lot of research on, you know, someone who had gone through things like that and what kind of things that they're doing now to keep them better. And on, it, it's a sad thing sometimes because they can't really experience a lot of ups and downs. And she's constantly in her head. She's constantly hiding something she's constantly trying to protect her secret and sometimes in order to do that it's better left unsaid yes. those you know so that that's that's kind of how i perceived savannah and also she's a really smart girl she really is i mean to be able to do what she did so i don't know the quiet you got it you got to watch out for the quiet ones that's <laughs> <laughs> now um how how did you how did you go from sort of catching the music bug to catching that the acting bug like how did you like what was it about acting that attracted you and, and was able to sort of successfully pull you away from the rock music scene I did both at the same time for a while. Um, I was also on Nashville for, for a second. Um, I did a couple other films and things, and I was all doing that at the same time of doing the band thing. Um, singing and music has always been my first love, but acting, acting was something totally different. It was a way of release. Um, it was a way of creativity and my main, my main passion out of everything is being creative with a community of people that are striving for the same thing. I realized that that's what I love. I like working with people who are passionate about the same thing that you are. And I'm passionate about creativity. And when we have a project and we're all working together and we're all sweating, you know, there's it or outside or, it, you know, just constantly running through lines and things like that, you're growing close with those people on set. And towards the end, um, when they wrapped me at the end of this movie, um, I, I just got the longest applaud that I have ever gotten in my, in my life, mm-hmm. even performing in front of thousands of people in a small group of people a small, you know, film crew. And I've never felt so appreciated for my creativity and my art, whether it was, you know, acting or singing or, you know, uh, any type of thing 
that moment is when I felt most appreciated. And I don't think as an artist, you can ever replace that. You know, I've been on, like I said, I've been on stage in front of thousands of people who, you know, you know, clapped for a song. It's like, yeah, that was good. But I have never felt the appreciation that I did from that group. And so that in itself, um, the closeness and community of the crew is what really keeps me going. Like I want to be on set all the time, you know, even if I'm not the lead or if I'm playing a small role or if I'm doing PA work for friends, you know, I just like being part of it. Yeah. The work is so long and so difficult and it create, you know, it takes so much sort of creative intellect to make it happen. And because it takes a village to make a film, you really do become family with the people you're in a, a movie with. And that's why Nick and I, my partner, Nick, uh, we want to convince producers to stop buying T-shirts at their post rap parties for everybody that, that end up in a drawer never to be seen again in about three weeks and start getting these autograph posters where the entire cast and crew signs it. So it's a poster that just has white space all over it. And it has the word make it in the middle. And because that's what everybody wants is to make something and to make it in their career. And then you, then you frame that, you frame that and put it in your home and you have it forever. Um, One example is I used to help manage a band named trucker with my business mentor who uh, owned fat Sam music publishing and RJS artists. And uh, trucker had all their gear stolen from one of their shows in Memphis, and we did a um, we did a little fundraiser to to so they could buy more gear, and um, I think it was called the Stolen Gear Tour or something like that. But everyone from the band signed it, and uh, I still have that in a frame in, in in my office to this day, and it's been it's been I guess sixteen years. And so that, that piece of art remains, where, whereas all the T-shirts I've ever gotten from any project I've been a part of is either stuck in a drawer somewhere or on a Goodwill rack. So I, I, think, I think this idea of family and bringing people together in a different way and displaying that in a different way is really makes a lot of sense and probably is a lot cheaper, honestly, than, than sort of buying a bunch of textile. So that was a, that was a, a tangent, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's a little, a little aside. Um, but but another reason why I think um, people appreciate you so much and did on this set, and I was there a few days, and it was hot, even at night. It was sticky. It was in the woods. There were bugs. There was you know cabins and things like that that haven't been used in a while that had spider webs and cobwebs, and it was a hard. It 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 was you know a difficult um, set to be on from just, a um, an external factor, but you've always been a hard worker. Uh, you've had some interesting jobs, right? You, uh, ha- I understand that you have been a, a rickshaw driver in the past, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> is that, is that, is that, is my research, right? Tell me if I'm wrong, but I hear that you've not only been a rickshaw driver, but, but you've gone a long, long way on a rickshaw. You, you've rickshawed someone like for 10 miles before. Oh, I've I've uh, I've rickshawed over a hundred miles in a day. Uh, <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I am, I am an adult tricycle rider. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I absolutely love that job. Um, let me say, okay, so 
when I got very, very sick, I was not able to be consistently working at all. So I had to find something. Um, it was autoimmune related. So it wasn't that I wasn't necessarily weak. I was either really, really sick or I wasn't. And I could work out and do all these things. Right. So I looked for a job that I can make my own schedule, that I could get some exercise and be outside and work when I was well, not work when I wasn't and make enough money to, to last me. Right. Mm -hmm. I found pedicabbing and oh my God, this job is <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. Um, I have traveled to California for music festivals Michigan, Delaware, I've done CMA Fest, uh, Bonnaroo, done stuff in Atlanta, so many different, oh, in Denver, Colorado, oh, yes, Denver, all right, wow. I love Denver, Denver's great, so, I Denver's one of my favorite places, yeah, concur, yeah, yep. so, so cool, so, I have traveled across the country doing these tricycle riding, and we make a very substantial amount to last us till the next one and then the next one. And so you have all this off time before the next. And I work on, you know, my acting and other things. But um, currently not pedicabbing, not doing the rickshaw driving in Nashville anymore. Um, it, as they are not, the city's not allowing it at the time. So now I'm a wellness consultant on the side, a uh, health and wellness consultant, and I'm doing the acting and working out and trying to, you know, better myself and working on for the next project. So that's what I'm doing. I love that. And, and there are people who are in this business and, um, and we've seen even recently where just the general public doesn't seem to be very understanding or, or um, have the right expectation around what it means to be a working actor uh, in film and that you need these sort of side hustles and side gigs to keep you afloat. Um, you know, Chris Winty is, is the master of the side gig uh, side hustle while you, um, you know, while, while you uh, worked in audition for that next gig, Ted, Ted Welch is the master of, I will go build you something for money and then take that money and turn around and make a film out of it. And I, and, and I think the general public and, and maybe even some in our community look at that as, um, Oh, you're not pouring your full energy into your craft or, or you should just do, but I, I really admire Ted and really admire Chris for that, that ethic. And I, I think, I think the same thing is true uh, of what you're doing. You know, is there, are, are there, other little mistakes that you see uh, new actors, actresses making um, on the creative side or, or in business? Absolutely. Please, please don't just up and move to LA or New York. You'll never, you'll never see the light. Like <laughs> it's so much work. It's so much work. You, you can't just up and move. Like these are great cities to live in. Don't get me wrong. But as someone starting out, I think it's very beneficial to start in cities like Atlanta, Nashville, um, you know, even North Carolina, Canada, all these things like apply and work in places 
that aren't so expensive to rent an apartment, have a house, do the day-to-day life, because then you can save your money to invest in yourself rather than putting it into something like rent that you will never see and you're not investing it in anything. So it's really important. It's like, yes, we need to be able to audition for things in all cities, but don't just up and move somewhere just because you think that it's going to make it better. Get yourself a good reel first, get yourself a good portfolio first and get your foot wet a little bit before you decide to up and move and jump into things. Cause it's good to be surrounded by, you know, the network of people that are going to give you jobs. So that's the benefit of that. But it's more, it's more beneficial to work on your craft and work on your portfolio so that you have a good standing before you go out in those places. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful advice for anyone trying to get into this business and, and looking to differentiate themselves and, and not just chase um, and follow um, because what worked for someone last year won't work for you simply because it worked for them last year. Um, uh, it's very hard to duplicate the same trick twice and, and, and have it be amazing. Right. Um, you, you mentioned Ruby Rose a few times um, in this conversation. Um, what is it about what she does from a technical or skill standpoint that makes her work stand apart? And is there anyone else that you really admire and really want to emulate in, in your career? And, and what do they do that sets them apart? It's a part of it, what she does. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of silence from her and that's kind of, a, a, you know, a lot of what Savannah did in this film. There's that silence. There is that you can feel their action without them really even doing anything. You can read what they're thinking without them having to say anything. Ryan Gosling is another example. Fantastic actor. He, in most of his film, he doesn't have to say a lot, you know? And yeah. some film does. Very, very calm. Yes. And very, it's more, it's less about what you say, and it's more about letting the movie come alive around that character. You are that character, but you do not have to hold this film. There is so many things going on around you that's giving the viewers a, a, a way enough information of what's going on. So sometimes letting these surroundings speak for itself is what I admire both about both of those actors. Is you are you are the object but you're not, you don't have to carry the, the film with the words that you're saying. Does that make sense? It does. And it takes me back to a bit of um, dialogue and advice that, that one of our former uh, interviews gave um, Joshua Bermudez about acting and, and that he, he has this acting test. And what he'll do is he'll find an empty room and he'll have the actor or the would-be actor go into that room. And he wants to see if he or she will lean against a wall because 
so many people are uncomfortable in an empty room. So many people don't know what to do with open space, and they certainly don't know what to do without dialogue. And he'll find that as a crutch, new new actors, new performers will find a wall pretty quickly and lean on it. Mm. And it's so amazing how what's going on in your head will play out in the physical world. And so, and so what's going on in your head is you have anxiety about standing in the middle of an open room. And so you're going to go find a wall and you may look like you're leaning on the wall, but actually the wall is holding you up. And, and that is, I thought that was so powerful of him when, when he mentioned that. That's, that's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's what Gosling does. Gosling's the guy that can stand in an empty room and be interesting. And that's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's really hard. You, you have so much going on. Like you, a lot of people get nervous and they feel like they have to entertain. And it's, it, it, you got to remember, it's not just you. Mm. It's not you. You have to make this film come alive. That's not necessarily it. You, yes and no, like less is more. Less is definitely more. Um, or you're going to be over dramatic. Unless you're in a soap opera, you know, then yeah, more, yeah. Is, more is more. Unless you're on the, in the cast of the Californians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want to, you don't want to be over the top and, and over dramatic. Um, but, but you bring up a good point here about technique. I mean, if you had a month to teach someone how to, to act, uh, and be competent and maybe get a role. What, what would be the first three things you would teach them? I would teach them, you know, I would definitely constantly just be recording, be, record yourself, record yourself, record yourself, because then you'll notice all the nostril flares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll notice things, um, get different people, uh, get different people to rehearse with you. Do not be afraid of being in front of the camera. You know, figure out what your tics are. What what is what is hard for you? Some people people would say to me, "Oh, it's really hard for me to memorize lines." Well, figure out what you got to do to memorize your lines. You know, figure out what's stopping you from doing that. Oh, well, I always do this thing, or I say this word weird, or you know, all of these things, I, you know, I'm constantly working on my voice and you have to push yourself. What's excited, what's sad, what's stillness, what's how it just constantly working, you know, getting in a, a, getting in a working class. I am not a teacher. I am new to this myself. And I'm not saying that I'm new, but I'm new, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at all of this too. So I don't know. Practice, 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 and getting super comfortable in all forms. You know, you see actors being naked on screen. You know, if you were to stand naked in front of a hundred different production members, like, and they feel uncomfortable in what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm not saying naked as in like uh, adult films or anything like that, but you know, movies that we see these things. Cause I, um, uh, I personally had to, um, uh, towards the end of the film where you see me taking off a different 
articles of clothing. You see it in the trailer. You have to be completely in your character and what is going on in that moment and to be comfortable and to sell that scene. So that goes with anything that goes with that. That goes with, you know, kissing somebody. I have, I have been on set with somebody who had never kissed somebody on screen or had never had a, you know, wife. And it was a completely, a, it was a music video and it was, um, you know, couples sharing their, their first, you know, hand holding thing or their kissing or whatever. And so they're going through these different scenes and there is a lot of people who are just like not comfortable with that. And that's okay. But you got to know yourself and you got to know what you're comfortable with and what roles you're okay with and being comfortable yelling at somebody. I had to yell at somebody in their face. I had to cry over Ted at one point. This is a different film. I, I cried over Ted. This is the first time I met Ted. It was really funny. I was talking about Ted, Ted Welch. Ted Welch. So I was crying over Ted. I was crying, and I started to drool <laughs> <laughs> all over his face. And I just, I just had to keep going and keep going and keep going until they said cut. And as soon as they said cut, I just looked down at his face, and it was just covered. I felt so bad. But you, you have to be in. You have to too, you know. It's mm-hmm. you have to be comfortable to sell certain things. Don't and don't, don't worry about Ted. He's he's a sick fuck. He he loved every bit of that drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty insane. But like when you get to that point, I met um, I sh- I uh, the first time I met Alexander Harris, one of our scenes like uh, it got really really intense, and I. I, I was in her face, just in her face the whole time. And it, just meeting somebody, if you couldn't, if you couldn't go up to somebody and do that for a scene, just because it's the awkward moment of, oh, this is a new person. I just met this person. I gotta yell in their face, you know. Mm-hmm. And you have to be comfortable with stuff like that. Anyways, I'm rambling, but yeah, comfortability, just knowing who who you are, and your little little things that you do on camera that don't make sense constantly filming yourself and being comfortable with what you're doing. Um, so it was actually very, very powerful, um, in a very powerful way to sort of conclude the story. But, um, if you, if you had, I I mean, there are so many resources when you're doing research and when you're just trying to improve as a, uh, in in craft and, and in your career and when you're preparing for roles, but is there any unique resource that you go back to time and time again to improve yourself and improve your craft? I would just get in a good workshop, a good community of people and talk to them. And that's, that's, that's the best resource. I'm not sure about the online resources because I don't usually use a whole lot, but I know that there are some really great books out there. Um, I've always wanted to try the, um, the master class with Samuel Jackson. I've always wanted to try that. Um, never have, 
but all of my resources have been just, it's never been online. It's always been working with the community people as far as my performances go. As far as uh, auditions and things go, it's a little bit different. That's definitely online resources. But yeah, use use your friends, use your community. Um, be weird. Look at yourself in the mirror. Do different things. That's yeah. it. That's great. And tell everybody where uh, they can find you on social media and the internet and maybe where they can see your work. You can, uh, well, my work is definitely through the films and that nature, but I'm on IMDb as Ashley Pereira and I'm on social media, Instagram, uh, a which is, uh, the first part of my first name and the last part of my last name, A-S-H-E-I-R-A. And that's my personal page. Honestly, I haven't been really promoting myself. Uh, as of the moment on social media, I'm waiting for this film to come out and my reel to be updated before I start really pushing myself um, to those means. But yeah, that's where you can find me. And just for clarity's sake, um, the movie All Light Will End will uh, be available on iTunes. It's available for pre-order now, but it is available on November 2nd, 2018. And it will continue to be available in various distribution markets. And your last name is spelled P-E-R-E-I-R-A, correct? Yep, that's me. That's it. So when you're looking for her, go Ashley and then P-E-R-E-I-R-A and you will find her and you will have a great time uh, because she's a great person. And Ashley, this has been a complete blast. And, um, I knew I was going to have fun in this interview. Uh, I had, uh, more fun than I, than I expected that exceeded my expectations. So thank you so much again for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And, um, it's good to talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, it is. And hopefully we can be together on a set again and work on some more stuff together. Um, if you had one parting, uh, sentence or thought for our audience, what would it be? Uh, I was not prepared for this. That was it. That was it right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. That I will take. I, I really want to just take that and end it with, with that. That's good. <laughs> okay. No, it my pleasure, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. Good. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects, social media, and transcripts of this interview, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash podcast. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, 
Be creative, be engaged, and thank you 